Coach's Corner with Kelly and Landry, bringing you views and ideas from the coach's perspective. Welcome back to the Coach's Corner podcast, everybody. It's episode six. I'm your host, Coach Kelly. My co-host today is not here with me, Coach Landry. I do have a great guest and a great uh, episode for you guys today. Something that we're going to talk about. It's something that's been, I think, on all of our minds. Um, you know, in 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 the last, uh, uh, surely the last the last month. Um, Coach Travis, Coach Travis Morris. Um, real quick, um, I've known Travis since uh, since my college years. Um, and Coach Travis helped me um, tremendously with my uh, speed and agility um, when I came home for the summers um, after playing uh, in college. And, um, and uh, he was actually a big, big help um, in helping me recover with my, uh, my ACL injury. Um, and uh, I, I wanted to bring uh, Coach Travis on um, the podcast today to uh, – to talk about uh, some of the the social issues that we have, and not just from um, a personal standpoint, from a, 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 a sports standpoint, a um, you know a coaching standpoint, um, and everything. We're just going to lay it all out there. Um, and obviously, this is not being videoed, um, so you cannot you cannot tell. Um, but we're going to go right into it. So Travis is a um, coach. Travis is is a black man. Um, and, uh, you know, I think he's going to be able to give us some great insight to, to, uh, to what's going on now from, from all sorts of perspectives. So uh, coach Travis, uh, appreciate you coming on. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. No problem. Um, so like I I had mentioned before, uh, um, you were kind of a, uh, agility, uh, an, an agility trainer for, for me and coach Landry, um, back in the day. Um, and, uh, I know since then you went, you went to the, uh, you know, business side of, of things. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. but talk about just a little bit, you know, like, uh, how, how you try to stay. I know, um, I'll let you, I'll let you tell, but I know you try to stay involved with, uh, you know, like your kids and everything. So just tell us how how do you try to stay involved in the, in the coaching world as much as possible? It is hard to escape, you know, when it becomes your life. Um, I too was that athlete at one time. Um, and I, it was easier for me to transition to the health and wellness, um, or sport performance world, which I worked in for 10 years. Um, and so you, you develop so many relationships along the way and you gain so much, uh, knowledge, uh, throughout those 10 years for me with just having, you know, numerous certifications. And so to have all of that experience and just throw it out the door is kind of hard to right, do, right. you know, um, but you know it's been my life you know my undergrad was sports management and got in you know got my master's in business administration so it's kind of part of my development uh how i've been groomed in life just being heavily involved in sports and then also having that avenue of coaching and realizing um that coaching can transcend so many different industries and it's crazy because all of the concepts that we learn in sports uh, Kelly, we take all of those concepts to every aspect of our lives. Oh, sure. That's, that's exactly what I think you just hit it right on the head. You know, I, I think yeah. coaching not only is just for, 
for sports, I think it, it prepares you for, you know, every, everything outside of sports. Yeah. Same thing with playing as well. I think you would agree with that. Yeah. Oh, oh man, absolutely. You know, and so those principles of, of getting along with what we learn through sports, just having a brotherhood, you know, it, it puts you ahead of the game when it comes to being um, open to diverse experiences. You know, sports is one of those universal languages, almost like music or oh, it is like music, you know, and I can identify to both sides. Well, I was just going to say you're a pretty you're a pretty talented musician as well. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and so. It's a universal language, and and so it's one of those things that we've been able to bridge the gap between diverse experiences with other ethnicities and racial groups right. um, that that sports and coaching allows. And so now I get to uh, try to be on the sidelines and not be that screaming dad <laughs> <laughs> to to my sons, you know. And, and now I understand how hard it is. You know, my dad used to try to coach me, and it's kind of one of those, oh, man, that's just dad. You know, <laughs> you brush it off, and now I am that dad. And right. get those responses from my, you know, my boys, like, all right, dad, I get it. You know, so <laughs> I'm always coaching, man. It's, it's part of my life. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, I love that. Um, and, like, you know, like we said, it's it's always tough to – it's always tough to get away from it, you know. It's always tough, tough to squash it and make it extinct. Um, yeah. But uh, I mean, you are you're local. You went to Berea High. Um, you played you played sports there. It's um, and then you know going right into it. When you were you know growing up in Greenville, you went to Berea, like I just mentioned. Did you um, were, were, did you experience yourself, or did you experience it? You know, um, with others. Um, you know, any sort of, uh, you know, like, was there any sort of time where it was like, man, it's, it's tough being, um, it's tough being a black man right now in Greenville, South Carolina right now. It's tough being, I mean, did you ever, it did like talk yeah. about some of those experiences that you may have had or someone around you? Yeah. It's man. It, it's crazy. Of course you're, you're aware of these experiences. And for me being in high school, I have to bring it up, um, because I'm, I married my high school sweetheart. Right. You know, um, and so uh, my wife is a white woman. Right. And so, in co- of course, dating in high school, we went to high school together. You know, here I am dating and, and have a relationship, friendship with, you know, this young white lady at the time. And so that's when I really started to get, I guess you can say, uh, the backlash or she probably got it more so than me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, obviously being a black guy, you, you kind of become oblivious, not necessarily numb, but you're used to being ostracized or demonized or having to go in certain environments and try to fit in, you know, whereas for her, her narrative may have been different, you know, because now you, you, you know, this white girl that have a white circle and opportunity to have, um, this social circle that accepts you. And now you become demonized and ostracized by being with this black black guy. Um, so we got it from that point. But to be honest with you, Kelly, 
Um, I didn't get a lot of it in high school. You know, I don't say this to brag on myself, but I was probably <laughs> one of the most uh, popular guys in high school, man, because I was the athlete. I believe it. I believe it. You know, I, I was the musician. I got along with everybody. You, you were um, you were you were you were in every every social group. You you could hang out with the musicians. You can hang out with the athletes. Yeah. You know, yeah. You, you know, I, I feel like you could hit every uh, every uh, every social group there was. Yeah, and, and that's what it was uh, for me. And so I think that's why it was easy for me to cross over um, and be able to identify um, with so many different people, but just because of the platform that I had. Um, and I have to share this. This is funny. Um, I, I originally was not zoned to go to Berea High School. Okay. I was actually zoned to go to Southside High School, um, which is <laughs> it's crazy because I lived three minutes from Southside and used to travel about 20 minutes, 25 minutes the other way to go to Berea. But I was able to go to Berea because I was already playing sports there right. um, through middle school. But the reason I didn't go to Southside, and most people will probably, you know, have, will probably shunned me for saying this, but <laughs> I, I wanted the diverse experience by going to Berea High School, and I knew Southside didn't offer that. Right. Um, and so that diversity has always been my heart. It's not that I've tried to run away uh, from the black community at large and run to a predominantly white area. No, I know I wanted to be in a world that identified my perception on life. And, and that is having an appreciation for everybody. And Southside is probably probably 95 percent black right. you know if, if not more and so i was proud of my culture i was proud you know proud of who i am proud to be a black guy um but i appreciated the uh, diverse experience that i got going to berea and, and already having an establishment there that's awesome um did you i know you you mentioned you didn't you didn't see anything you know outside of um you know the dating world where it kind of opened you up that you were dating a, a white woman at the time and that now that you're married to, um, yeah. uh, but did you ever experience anything, um, not even at Berea, but, uh, anywhere else in, in the sport world, um, where maybe it was uncomfortable to be playing sports or, uh, it's, you know, it's hard to play sports because, you know, there's all these, um, uh, there's racist whatever yeah. racism yeah. in in sports. Like so, what yeah. I'm trying to get. Do you think Absolutely. was there? What did you ever come upon or see any racism in um in in just the the athletic world in general? Oh man, uh, absolutely. I I remember uh, before they changed our conference. Oh man, I'm trying to remember the high school. I don't know if it was, gosh, not Tallahassee. No, but there was an area um, that was predominantly white, predominantly white. Um, and I remember playing against these guys and getting called the N-word, oh, wow. you know, while playing basketball. Of course, this was a pr predominantly white high school. Um, the team was all white. Right. Um, and so I I've had those experiences, you know, Um then again, and, and and plus our our basketball team was ninety nine percent black, you know. So it was kind of almost <laughs> this obvious 
you know, inherently this obvious black against white when, you know, that wasn't our intent, but that's what it turns into. Right. Um, inherently. And so I've had those experiences um, in playing sports when we have to go to those predominantly white areas. Um, man, we used to, you know, I, I hate naming and putting high schools out there, but, you know, there were some areas we went to like Pickens. Yeah. You know, um, they're still predominantly white. Um, in that capacity and Seneca, you know, so these areas you could definitely see driving by, you seeing the Confederate flags on the homes in the neighborhood as you go to the high school. And so there's the obvious, uh, culture differences, um, and discriminating ways that exist within, and, and you get to see that, uh, yes, it does exist within sports. Yes. Um, have you seen have you seen a change like has there been a positive change that maybe you've seen I know um, you 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 talk a lot about it on on Facebook and it's it's a lot of teaching points that I see that have a lot mm-hmm. to do with um, with your sons mm-hmm. um, and I think you know uh, I think you you posted that you were playing catch outside and um, mm-hmm. you had one of the neighbors that you know kind of said something that wasn't uh, um, you know that that wasn't yeah. off off base almost you know towards it, it would fall under the category of yeah. of racism or um yeah. you prejudice or a, a, an assumption of some sort of stereotype um yeah. um and uh you know you made that you know like a, a teaching moment yeah um so I, you know but has there been you know since you do have you know your sons now have you seen and they're in sports and uh, they might be a little too young they might be not but have you seen any sort of progression in the sports world from, you know, maybe from when you were or from what you've heard about, you know, even before your time? Yeah. Yeah. Um, because we, you know, we live in the Taylor's area. Um, and you know, my kids go to a school that's, it's pretty diverse for the most part, but it is predominantly white. Um, and so of course, signing up for sports in this area, um, they are essentially around predominantly white kids. Right. Um, and I haven't, I can't sit here and, and tell you that I've seen some blatant racism or, or anything within their sports arena at this age. Right. Um, to say it exists and don't exist, you know, I, I, I can't say that just based on our few experiences. And my boys just started playing sports, you know, so they're still new to integrating into the sport world and what comes with it. Um, but not, yeah, not with my sons. I haven't seen it just yet. Okay. Um, but I'm sure it exists. Right. I'm, I'm sure it exists. Um, and then, you know, to, to take that, to take that one step further, um, you know, I've seen, um, and I really want to get, you know, your opinion on this. Um, so, there have been a lot of, of stats going around involving the professional sports world mm-hmm. um, where uh, it talks about coaches, owners, GMs, managers, um, the uh, high upper level management just in, involved in, um, in a professional sporting teams that, you know, it's uh, 80%, you know, um, 80% white or um, it's uh uh, 80%, uh, you know, non, um, not the non-colored community. Um, it's mm-hmm. a, you know, um, mm-hmm. but 
And then, so I want to, I'm going to tell you my thoughts and then I want to hear what you okay. think. Um, and so coming from when I see those stats, um, I, I don't know. First of all, I don't know if you can put owner on there because I feel like, and you're, you'd be able to tell me more. I feel like if, if a, a black man or a black woman has the money, if they have $2.3 billion to buy said professional team, I, is there a would there be a restriction to buying a team? Um, would would somebody not allow them to? I don't know. And then you know, on the flip side of that, you also do have um, a lot of these owners who are white. They mm-hmm. they own a team, and you see it instead of selling or whatever, they're leaving it to their kids or their grandkids. And I think that's um, yeah. been happening for a long time. And that's why you also see because it just gets keep passing down. Um, yeah. so that's, that's one of my points. And the second one is going to kind of come to a bigger point. It's from a, um, when I look at those stats, I see, I, I kind of flip it into a, um, like from the, the playing perspective. Um, so growing up, especially for me in, in Los Angeles, California, and, um, just anywhere, basically, um, you know, basketball and then all the way through college and, and whatnot, high school, college, you like as a, as a, as a white guy, I'm playing a sport that is predominantly black. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, so for me, it was always um, like I have to do a little bit better because this is not this is not a sport where this is a sport where it is being um, where I, I am in this sport. I am the minority. And yeah, then when yeah, you got to prove yourself, right? Yeah. yeah. And then yeah. when you, but then when I look at those, I look at those stats about the, you know, manager and GM and owner and I'm like, well, from the playing perspective, it's, you know, like the NBA, I think it was like 78 or 79% um, uh, uh, black. And mm-hmm. then it was, um, uh, it was like 15% um it was 15% uh, white, and it was, I think, uh, only 5% were um, white American. So you got, you know, obviously you have Europeans that are um, that are uh, coming over as well. But uh-huh. so my main point to finally get to it would be if they if there's going to be an even side in you know upper management, or if there's going to be an even side in coaching, we need to bring more um, of the um, people of color into, into coaching, into management. Should, should there, like, should there be any sort of call for, well, maybe we should balance out the, uh, the playing side of it. Maybe we should bring it to, you know, 60, 40 or, um, so thoughts on that. Um, I'm gonna let you take it away. Yeah, man, that that's tricky. That's a really good question. And what, what we see, I think with sports, you're seeing, um, even, privilege and having a hand at economic power even being shown through the arena of sports entertainment Mm -hmm. Uh, what do i mean when i say that well you take uh the wealth that has been allowed to grow within the white community inherently you're going to have those with the money who are able to acquire um these professional teams right um, which is why you see such the majority of white people, obviously, um, as the owners. And then you take it down to the player level. Well, um, you look at basketball and football in the black community. Those are some of the sports that we 
have been able to quickly or easily integrate in because mm-hmm. for one, it's not that expensive to play basketball and football. Matter of fact, you can find a basketball goal pretty much in every neighborhood. Yep. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. Um, whereas when you have uh, the white community, they're exposed to other sports like soccer, hockey, and depending on the region, lacrosse, uh, which is now coming down to the south, but was always considered a northern north, sport. Right. You know, which is primarily occupied uh, by white people. And so you see all of these other arenas uh, in sports being occupied by white people and with being black, we've always been we've always gravitated towards basketball and football. So I think that's where you see the large numbers Uh, now go even further. uh, You used to see basketball on a professional level that used to be predominantly white. Mm -hmm. You look at the history. Right. um, And we always talk about Boston. They used to be the reigning champs. You know, you go and look at the history of that with the racism that started with blacks trying to integrate into the NBA. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, before that happened, blacks had to start their own league, which we knew that as the ABA. Yep. Right. Um, and so now is how do we integrate and level the playing field, which that was the talk years ago. And now we level the playing field. And you also see uh, the dominance of black athleticism when it comes to basketball and football, because that's been something that we've been able to do since childhood right you know so it's a different style of play a different approach to play and so now how can we get more black people or black athletes on our college teams on our professional teams so that we can acquire more ticket sales because now people want to see the style of play Mm -hmm. uh, of black people african americans you know what i mean in comparison to the style of play that we've seen amongst the white culture and i'm not saying that to try to create a superior inferior approach to basketball (laughs) because there's some there's some great white players out there we we you know i can name them all you know um but you obviously we know the style of play and and the approach to the game is different sure and so now there has been this let's get as many black guys as we can because we know they're going to bring people to the stands and people want to see high flying dunks and, and, and all of this. So now it's flip flop, <laughs> you know, to where we right. wanted the NBA to be integrated to now is predominantly black. Um, and so now I think we have to progress to the point of taking ownership, because if you're going to want us playing for your teams, um, how can we take a part in this wealth building? And right. so you're seeing that little by little with the Magic Johnsons, you know, um, who had a hand at ownership with the Lakers at one time. You're seeing that with Michael Jordan um, having the resources mm-hmm. um, and being able to own teams. You're seeing that with uh, Jay-Z uh, now uh, inserting himself in the NFL and having some partnerships with that. So the more that you see us acquiring wealth, I believe the more you will start to see us integrating on the ownership side of things right um and that's that's going to take time you know and you you made a good point that these owners and i can't fault them for that because we talk about legacy building right legacy planning leaving an inheritance Mm -hmm. and so 
why would I tell the white guy that owned millions and millions of dollars in ownership that, hey, you need to give that away and don't give it to your kids? Right. No, he, he's he's doing what... He's setting up his family, right. Yeah, he, he's setting up his family. So that's what he's supposed to do. It's just that white people have gotten a head start at being able to accumulate wealth to where they have something to pass down and do that. And so now we hope that the barrier to entry is not as hard when black people have money and able to acquire these teams. And, and, and hopefully these older white guys that have been able to own such a large stake can say, hey, let's form some partnerships. Right. Let's create right. some diversity in this approach. Um, and then we can see a change. But it's happening. It's just slow because you're, you're looking at years and years and years of wealth being able to accumulate in the white community and, and blacks will play and catch up. Right. If that answered the question to all of that. That, 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 that definitely answers the question. Um, I think that was, that was really well said. And I, you know, I, I appreciate, um, I appreciate all of that actually. Yeah. Um, it's always, it's always good. This, I think this was the whole purpose of, um, of this. It's always good to get, um, perspectives and, yeah. and see and see where everybody's coming from um yeah. and you know going into that i want to take it away from the sports perspective um and uh you know take it to you know in society a little bit when um you know so you, we see all these uh obviously we saw with the george floyd um and uh that's it was it was disgusting it was it was just downright um call it what it is murder yeah, yeah. um and um you know so but what i want to say is what is the I, I know what the end game is i know i know what i know what 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 we want to happen right mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. I know I know what we need to happen, but so my thing is, how do we get that to happen in your opinion? How do we get that to happen? Because when I think about it, it is not illegal. It is not um, against the law to be prejudiced, to be racist. It, that that is that's a heart problem. That is somebody yeah. that that is just, you know, a, a bad a bad person. They have there's something. Um, they weren't, they weren't, you know, taught the right way. They didn't, um, you know, grow up the right way. So the actions, if they act on it are illegal, but how are you like, how, how do you stop? Um, you know, uh, how do you, how, like, cause I try to, to grasp it a little bit. You, you can't stop someone from having hate in their heart. Right. Right. Um, right. Because that, because again, that, that's, again, that's, that's not illegal. That's not illegal. Their, yeah, the, actions right. the actions are illegal. are illegal. Right, right, right. Um, man, how do you stop that? You know, I had this conversation earlier today. Um, for one, it, we have to be consistent with um, how we reprimand um, and impose consequences on such behavior when we see that happening amongst law enforcement. And, you know, in particularly when you see something that is racially stimulated um, between a white cop and a black person, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, and in the past, we've seen that imbalance of consequence take place 
And so we got to have some policies and have things in place to where we're being consistent with how we reprimand and handle white people when they're breaking the laws, especially when it's racial, uh, race related. We got to nip that in the bud. Uh, but even, you know, Kelly, if you put all of these policies and change things, you hit the nail right on the head until we can change the hearts of people. Um, and you can have policies all day and people right. will find a way to break, break the law. You know, people will find a way to go against the grain. Um, and it's unfortunate because you have those outliers in any infrastructure that will be extreme. And they unfortunately cast a general perception for everybody that represents them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, that's why I like to have these dialogues because, yeah, we, we've seen police brutality. But I tell people, make sure your rhetoric is not generalizing all cops and all law enforcement. For sure. For you sure. know, you know, just like you don't want all black people to be or all black males to be labeled as thugs. Anytime you use in generalities, that can be very dangerous. Right. And so right. we, we got to deal with the source. We got to deal with that person. We got to deal with that system. Um, and we have to change our infrastructures from being predominantly all white. Um, and, and I will say the same thing. You don't want an infrastructure all Hispanic or you don't want an infrastructure all black um, because inherently you're going to have one group that have the dominant say so and they're going to only. Uh, want to do for people that look like them 100%. And, and, you know and that's where you get white privilege you know and flip-flop to where you may get one group or one race or even one gender you know what i mean mm-hmm. to, you know um they may say i'm only going to you know promote and partner with people that just look like me so i think you know it has to start on the community level and those of us have to take a personal responsibility and accountability for how we make a difference in our household and our communities um, and be intentional with how we structure our leadership to where it's not just a representation of one culture and one group. Right. That's very well said too. Um, Well, coach, I really appreciate you taking your time. Um, I know you, you could be with your family right now, but I really appreciate you taking the time out to, uh, to talk oh, about man. about these issues and um you know i i think this is this is like you said having these kind of dialogues uh it, yeah. it's um it, it's 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 helpful uh, yeah. and i think it's it's ultimately it's 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 insightful yeah yeah man i commend you you know for what you're doing and actually being a voice in the community man for your generation um our generation together and even those you know who are listening and coming after us man you you're definitely doing something great and I definitely consider you a brother you know so I appreciate it yeah, absolutely all right well uh, I, I will I will let you go Travis um, and uh, I, I will definitely have you back on the show again maybe talk a little sports talk a little uh, uh, when uh, when everything gets gets back rolling and and maybe get your uh, your opinions on a few things let's do it man I'm looking forward <laughs> to it <laughs> all right Travis I appreciate it all right take care thanks you too all right bye. Thank you guys for all listening and tuning in to this week's episode of Coach's Corner. Next week, my co-host, Coach Langey, will be back 
and we will have a great topic for you. We have the NBA getting ready to start back up. We are going to have a full episode on that. You don't want to miss it. Remember, you can follow us on all major platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and please go ahead and follow us on Instagram at Coach's Corner Pod. And again, if you're listening to this episode, um, you know, there are going to be opinions that are not the same. Um, and by that, I don't mean uh, uh, an opinion on, on, on racism. Um, that, that is not an opinion. That is something that should be, um, that should be uh, uh, condemned and, and, sh- and shut out. I'm talking just opinions other than that, uh, outside of that. Um, everybody's got their own opinion. Travis had it. Coach Travis had his. I had mine. Um, and the biggest thing is to, to listen and just, and, and, you know, don't have to agree, but respect both sides. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and we'll see you guys next week.